It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up and welcome to episode of the Grindline Podcast. You're listening to episode 193. I am here tonight with Ryan and Tyler in the midst of preseason chaos. How are you guys doing tonight? Chaos is one way of putting it right there. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's exciting. Well, first off, I'll say I'm happy because hockey is back. We're seeing Red Wings hockey. It's more than just prospects, which don't get me wrong. We were freaking excited for that. But now we're seeing Larkin, Raymond. We finally got to see Bertuzzi. We're seeing more Edvinson. We're seeing the guys that we've been wanting to see to include Cider. It's fun, but it's also confusing because we don't know what the hell is going to happen within the next week. No, we opened up that huge can of worms today on Twitter. Dude, I hate you so much for that because I retweeted it and then that led to me getting comments. And I, uh... Tyler, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm coming to Detroit in a week from two days from now. So um, a week from Thursday, I should say. I know you guys gave me shit for that last year. Um, what was it? A one week and two days or one week? What was the count? That stupid, <laughs> I think it was crazy. one like, week and two days. It's like oh, a, a week. I, no, it was like a week plus four days. I think that's what I said. But anyways, yeah, I'm excited to get to, get together with you guys and all the fans and uh, take in the, the opener and uh, the other things that I'm doing while I'm in Michigan. But uh, especially to see everyone and have some beers, especially because I didn't think I was coming. I, I think I announced on Twitter that I wasn't coming. And uh, let's just say my dad's a good good person and uh, we're, we're, we're all going to be there. So we're, we're looking forward to it. Pre- premature announcements, Tyler. You do not yeah. announce things before you are 100% certain that they are I happening. I was about 99 point. That's Ryan. I was about 99% sure that I wasn't going to be able to make it. Um, got out of a previous commitment and uh, I'm good to go. So Really looking forward to it and uh, so happy that hockey's back. Me too, because it gives us interesting stuff to talk about on the podcast instead of... Uh, interesting is one way of putting it at this point. Instead of being extremely bored and just wallowing in misery because there's nothing going on, we now have stuff to talk about. So off the top, I mean, we're going to get into preseason. We're going to get into some stats. We're going to get into some roster projections. But off the top, Matt Barzal today signed an eight-year deal with the uh, Islanders, God bless his soul, at $9.15 million, which was actually the contract that I had projected Larkin getting, an 8 by 9 
So it could be pretty close there. I might be on the nose if he signs about the same. Now Barzell is a little younger. And I, I mean, I was a little maybe surprised by it. Uh, Barzal had a down season last season. He does have a track record of success. Good stat line. Um, every previous season before last season. And maybe last season was a fluke and he'll turn it around. But yeah, eight-year extension at $9.15 million AAV, which joins a long list of centers who have recently signed long extensions. And I mean, it just makes you, again, and we talked about it a few episodes ago, hopeful for the Dylan Larkin extension. And coming in, again, it's looking that it's going to come in, if not slightly, slightly a hair below $9 million in maybe that more 9 to 9.5 range. Yeah, this is a huge deal because he's 25. When when does he actually turn 26? May 26, 1997 is his date. So he won't be 26 until next spring, whereas Larkin just turned 26 in at the end of July. So Larkin's a, got a year on him. I mean, I think our expectation is similar in eight years, which for some reason just pisses people off. Like, what? why would that be a bad thing? Like 26, eight years takes you to their 33, 34 year. Like, that's not a bad thing, especially for a guy that, I mean, you can argue the injuries that he's had, but they've also just not pushed him through because they haven't been good. And there's no playoff push in the sort. But you bring in the guy, he's your captain for one. He's a center, which is one of the most important positions in hockey at this point. Now, you don't, locking up your a goal-scoring winger and playmaker like Barzell is a no-brainer. I think we had bullshitted and talked about the Wings giving him an offer sheet at one point just because I think we wanted to offer sheet every single person that was good at, the, at this stage in, in time. But it's it, it's it was a no-brainer contract to me, especially if you're the Islanders, because that gives your team some hope and your fan base some hope Lark, doing that with Larkin. I mean, I'm, I'm getting skeptical at this point that something happens within the next week, meaning before the season starts. Yeah, I am too. Larkin had said, well, got to get something done before the end of the season, which is true. He does because he will not have a contract. If that happens, he says he wants to keep playing hockey and he only wants to play for Detroit. Now, the thing that is going to help Larkin besides this is Elliot Friedman had reported approximate projections for the salary cap on the next few years. And he had said by 2025-26, those projections had the cap around $92 million, up nearly $10 million from where it is currently, and an increase of more than 11% in three off-seasons. I'm reading from Max Boltman. Max is great. He just he saw the Barzal extension and then just whipped up this really, really good article Now, he covers the whole timeline of centers that have signed in July. Robert Thomas in St. Louis and Josh Norris in Ottawa signed eight-year deals with an AAV of 8.125 and 7.95. In August, Tage Thompson from Buffalo had 68 points last season after a previous career high of 14. He signed a seven-year deal at 7.14 million. In September, JT Miller, who will be 30 before his contract actually kicks in, uh, $8 million AAV for eight years. Tim Stutzla signed an eight-year extension worth $8.35 million. Uh, Nathan McKinnon, we all know he signed his eight-year for $12.6. And then Barzal coming at the eight-year with nine one five. Now, that projected cap number is only going to help Larkin's case because they he also goes into the percentages of the cap that the player is going to take up. 
And it's normally 10 to 11% of their cap hit, those big paid players. And uh, right now that Barzal cap hit is 11.09% of the cap hit, but when it goes up, it'll drop. So it'll be really interesting to see what happens with Larkin now because it seems like the longer he holds out, and not like that's a bad thing, but the longer he waits, more the more stuff seems to fall in his favor for him getting that higher number. And now I think that you look at these and you look at his production, Max also put up some stuff on, on basically career points per game, career goals per game, and then platform points and goals. And right now, Larkin seems to have the highest. Pla- he compared him to Matt Barzal, Mika Zibanejad, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Logan Couture. Those are his four comparables. And Larkin ties with Couture on platform goals per game. He, the only person that beats him in time on ice is Mika. And it, it just seems uh, platform points per game, too. He, 0.97 points per game in this past, uh, I believe this is tracking past season. And you're looking at it and you think, hey, if he keeps up at this pace, especially with the development of Lucas Raymond, uh, the return of hopefully Bertuzzi for a complete season, the development of Mo Sider, bringing in someone like Simon Edvinson, solidifying scoring roles on the power play. Larkins should, hypothetically, if stats trend the right direction, should keep increasing what he has done. And I mean, I could see Larkin in just hitting his prime, maybe being a 90 point player, 90 plus point player, depending on how his line mates play. And we know he makes them better. So everything that is happening before Larkin signing his contract, the longer he waits, the more that the stuff happens, it seems to help him. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts on it are, I mean, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't hurt Dylan Larkin that Matt Barzell just got 9.15 per year. Uh, for eight years. Um, I don't know that Larkin is close to the McKinnon cap hit, but I think he's no, way closer to the Barzell cap hit than he is the McKinnon cap hit, I guess is what I meant to say. Um, I mean, in terms of value, I mean, Matt Barzell is a pretty damn good player, especially if you watch the eye test. He's a fantastic skater. He's got some really good hands. Um, a lot of people think that, um, is it, Who's their coach now? Lambert. Lane Lambert. Lane Lambert. Lane Lambert. I mean, a lot of people say that Lane Lambert's going to unlock some offense from Matt Barzell. Not that he's not a good offensive player already, but, you know, with with Barry Trotz there previously, I mean, there was certainly defensive reins put on him, um, you know, where he wasn't able to do what he usually does and kind of freewheel. I mean, for a guy of his skill set to only have had 22 goals in his career, um, you know, as, as a high. And that was back in 17, 18, that's years ago. Now, um, you know, it seems to, to have gotten worse each year. Um, although his points, his points have gone down too. So it's, I, I understand where people are coming from saying that, you know, maybe Matt Barzell's a little overpaid, but if you watch the eye test, he's a fantastic player and, uh, you know, he's worth the money. Now, I think in this case, it's, it's not really paying Matt Barzell for what he's done. It's paying for him, uh, paying him, for what he's going to do or projected what he's going to do. Um, and, you know, if the cap goes up, like Elliot Friedman says, then, I mean, this is going to be a very good value contract because, I mean, 9.15 is not going to be a crazy astronomical amount once once it's all said and done. Uh, in terms of what it means for Dylan Larkin, I mean, the more that 
this continues to go on, I don't, I'm not concerned that he's going to test free agency. I just think that the more that this goes on and the more that they continue to let this linger, the more it's going to affect the room as a whole. I think the captain, the captain is, doesn't have a contract. I don't care what people say or what they're saying in that locker room or what Steve Eisenman is saying. There's a distraction there because every night there's going to be a question. Do you want to be here? Are, are, where's the contract? Like, unless he puts an end to it, like at the end of training camp or like before the first game where someone asks him, Hey, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on the contract? I'm not talking about it. That's the only way that, that he can put this whole thing to bed or, you know, obviously sign in the damn contract. But um, I don't know where this, this has gone because during the summer, we were led to believe that this was almost a done deal, even with the new agent. So where has this gone off the rails? I don't know. Uh, and most importantly to me, it's like, where is this going? Because it, you can't get to free agency next year and not have him sign. Because if you do, I mean, I mean, what do you do? Well, I mean, if you get to that point, I mean, we're slowly getting into Stamkos territory. Now, I know we made that, I don't want to say comparison, but we were looking at what Stamkos signed for, which I think he was what at eleven and a half percent, something like that, when he signed. Which yeah, I think he is was in we, that eleven range, and that that gave us an, a rough number of like, I think nine and a half million, if that was what Larkin would were to sign for. Now I know we all said I think between nine and nine five, which at this point seems the most to be the most realistic, but we're also not even talking about Tyler Bertuzzi, who's in the exact same boat. And my good friend Mario, ever the uh, optimist or realist, if you will, made the clear point that, hey, if both these guys don't have uh, contracts come season starts, that makes this trade deadline, barring how this team does, very interesting and something to keep an eye on. Now, I'm not saying that Larkin's going to get traded. I'm not saying Burt's going to get traded. But it's a lot easier to ditch a guy with a contract that's expiring that you can eat up on, on for half of that contract and get him over to a playoff team. If Detroit's not in that position to keep pushing for a wild card of sort. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest thing is, is you need to, when you talk about where the wings are right now, in terms of the rebuild and the terms of the buzz on the team, I mean, there, there hasn't been more buzz for a Red Wing season in a long time. And how do you squash that by letting a distraction, two distractions really like this enter your room? And I don't care what anyone says about, you know, it not being a distraction. It's a distraction in itself. How? But how? Because it just is a player. Two of your best players don't have contracts. Going because forward. they not do a have good contracts, answer. though. They're under contract for the season. The only time it's going to become a distraction is in the if, if they have nothing come the end of the year and they're going to the offseason. They're still playing for this team under the current contract. It doesn't it's unless people are bringing it up, and we've already seen it in in the press conferences, and we kind of talked about this a little bit with Daniela. Like the, the, they're not pushing it, meaning Red Wings writers aren't. You would think that more conversations with Larkin, they'd be like, "How's the contract coming?" or "What's going on with the contract?" No, th those questions aren't coming up, and it, I think a part of it plays into so it's not a distraction. Now, depending on how the team does, we, maybe those questions do come up, or maybe a national writer starts getting into it and That's starts what I'm saying. poking around. That's but what I'm saying. It, I don't think it's going to be the way that you 
are trying to play it out as. I'm, I'm not, I'm, I am not going waving the white flag and, oh shit, this is going to be bad because I, based on everything that I've seen with Larkin, and again, this is me, it's not going to be a distraction. He's going to play it off the right way. He's done it professionally to this point. And every time, every time it has been mentioned to him, he's like, a deal is going to get done. I don't want to go anywhere. I love this team. I love this city. I love these fans. So I guess my question is, what's taking so long? Where Where is this going off the rails? I, I don't think it's going off the rails. I think it's just him waiting to see what happens. And a lot of it is he knows there are big names out there that are unsigned. You've still got Jason Robertson unsigned. You've got, and again, Barzal was not yeah, signed the, the coming up on an expiring contract. Dylan Larkin and Jason Robertson. Robertson's coming off his rookie year last sure. year. Sure. But you're still looking, you're looking for dollar values to compare things to. And Barzal, I think, is a great example of a dollar value to compare something to. I guess even if you were to give him like 9.7, and that, that's, that's on the high, of course, that's, right? Yeah. If you were to give him 9.7, that still, with the cap going up, is still a good manageable contract going forward. Sure, sure. Not and next I, year, though. No. You still got to get through next season too, with in terms of a cap hit. I mean, now will Detroit have room? Yeah, they're going to be one of those few teams that does. So then, two years from now, when that cap has an extra jump of a couple million, when they're looking to maybe signing long term Raymond and Ed, and uh, Cider, that's where this becomes more of a thing. So doing this now, before you get to that point, I think is more critical because if we if Larkin has the year that we've all been thinking he could have. That price is going up and you're pushing toward 10 million and that's going to hurt you. I think that's part of what he is banking on is, is he's partially banking on himself. Now, if Iserman comes in and says, OK, your numbers nine five will give you nine four and you take it, then you're done. But I think what's probably happening is he's coming in and saying, I want nine five and Iserman saying, I'll give you eight seven five. And Larkin is just waiting for more stuff to roll. And so I'm not super worried yeah. about it. Looking at the J Fresh player cards, just to compare him to Matt Barzal, Dylan Larkin has a projected war. Uh, this is a three-year weighted average of 86%. A 94 EV offense, a 62 EV defense, a 67 on the power play, 71 finishing. If you look at Matt Barzal, Matt Barzal has a projected war over the past three seasons of 70% a 91 EV offense and an 11 EV defense. So what people don't put into account when they look at Larkin is they're mainly just looking at his points. They don't look at his two-way play. They don't look at his defensive numbers. And, and even so, I mean, the, the offensive, even offensive numbers have been better than Barzal's over the past three seasons. That's a three-year weighted average. But Dylan Larkin comes in with an EV offense of 94, where Barzal comes in with an EV offense of 91. So it's not a huge difference, but it's better. But Larkin is markedly better at, at defensively. He's yeah. a really, really good two-way center. And back to your point, Ryan, of maybe this makes a trade deadline easier. It, it Larkin wouldn't get traded. You have no center to replace him with. No, but that's going to now. But that's to Tyler's point. Maybe that's where the distraction could hit, hit like full bore because you approach that trade deadline. You've got Larkin and Bertuzzi potentially without contracts. I don't think that it, I don't think it would be distracting to the room. I think you would hit panic mode with the fan base at that. Yeah, point. Yes. Yes. I would agree. But we also learned this past season that with the state of the roster and where things are at, 
it was affecting those guys on in the room because they're now waiting to see. I think it was was it Stall they had talked to that you knew that something was likely going to happen. It was just a matter of when, not if. That ups the ante a little bit. Now, again, I'm not saying at all that Iserman is going to trade Larkin and or Bertuzzi. I'm far from it. What it is it a possibility? Yes, because we we've talked about it before. We need to look at Eisenman's track record. He is going to do what it takes to make his teams better. And if that involves trading someone that's important, then that's that's how it goes. Canada's open for business, baby. Yeah, I think I think one thing that people aren't taking into consideration and, and that, you know, is important too. Dylan Larkin's a team guy. Dylan Larkin is the captain of the team. The deal I would say is is going to get done ninety five percent. I mean, there's when? a five percent chance. It's done? When? I mean, this Barzell one came out of nowhere, so it could come tomorrow for all we know. Really, I mean, it, there wasn't. It's not like there was any. But I mean, I guess. Did you guys see any alerts from Elliot Friedman saying that it's getting close or anything? No, nothing. Just kind of I, Lou, Lou, I think is very much like Eisenman, where yep. if, you get, if it gets out, you are probably going to get murdered and chopped up in pieces and put somewhere. You won't just have to shave your beard; you'll have to shave your head. And there's what two preseason <laughs> games left, right? Uh, we're what six through? Yeah. It, it, well, there's there's Caps tomorrow, Leafs on Friday and Saturday, and then. The, the home openers next Friday. So, I mean, three more games. They're at five of eight. There's a chance that we, before opening night, there's a chance. I mean, because look at you have Saturday, right? That's the last preseason game, which Larkin probably will play in because it's the last one. But then you have one, two, three, four, five, five and a half days to really maybe hammer that home uh, without, you know, it being a huge, to do is, I mean, is that like your last effort if you're Steve Eisman, uh, or is this something that's going to be talked about during the year? A lot of guys don't like do- talking during the year. No, talking during the year is, I think, a distraction to the player yeah. themselves. So I think if it does not get done by opening night, then it's going to slide until maybe the break, until you have a break around Christmas or you've got the All Star break or whatever. That's probably where it will slide to. If it gets done midseason, it's going to be around then. But it's not going to be if it doesn't get done in that time period, you're going to be waiting until next offseason because the last thing I'm doing is distracting Dylan Larkin with contract negotiations in the middle of a season. I mean, I I think that it's going to be a situation where it's just going to come when it comes. And it feels like it could come at any point now. That's Uh, what she said. I I just feel like it's one of those situations where it's going to come when it comes and it's, it's going to come when you least expect it. It's going to happen when you least expect it. The phrasing phrasing is so incredible right now. But I think that's going to wrap up the Dylan Larkin conversation. And before we get into the rest of tonight, I think we're just going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsors before we get into kind of like the long haul of the conversation. So we'll be back in just one minute. The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. Get up 7, you win. 
Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if your team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And we're back. And a quick note before we move on to the next uh, thing that Ryan brought up during our commercial break was that Dylan Larkin is represented by the same people that represent Nathan McKinnon, who just yeah. got an absolute monster deal. So there's also that to take into account. But we want to move on to preseason, how it has gone so far, kind of our standouts before we move into roster projections going into opening night. It's becoming a little more clear this last game. I don't want to project. I do. This last game against Pittsburgh was kind of the closest to what could be considered an opening night roster that we've seen, minus a few people. Elmer Soderbloom was out with uh, soreness. He should be back tomorrow, which is Wednesday. Yeah, he was already back in morning skate doing line rushes. So Yeah, Lalone said he probably could have played, but they kept him out as a precaution uh, just because he's a little hurt, which for a man that large to have an ouchie is a little concerning. But uh, he seems to be good, uh, good to go. And I kind of want to get into just some preseason stats so far, some of our standouts, who we've really liked lately. And I kind of want to start with um, Dominique Kubelik, who to me, I think he's going to make Chicago rue the day they did not give him an offer. In four games played so far, he has three goals, three points. He's a plus two. Uh, averaging 17 minutes of ice time. Uh, he's got four penalty minutes, but his, his <laughs> he's got a goal on each type of situation, power play, shorthanded, and even. Yeah, his shots on goal percentage right now is 42.9, which literally blows away every other player so far. It's totally going to translate over, right? Yeah, no, not at all. He's, at a face, he's been taking face-offs. His face-off percentage is also the highest at a 66.7. Okay, is he taking face-offs, or is that just a good percentage because he got pulled in for a draw? He has taken face-offs. Yeah, okay. And okay. to have a That's... percentage of 66.7, you have to have taken more than one face-off. Otherwise, you'd be at zero or 100. So he's taken see, a few, see. at least a few face-offs. And, I mean, Dominique Kubelik for me, and there are some people putting him on the second line, which could work, and he's... It got a hell of a shot. It is hard. And I was listening to Red uh, Art Regner's last Red and White Authority with Sebastian Cosa, and he had asked Cosa, who are some of the hardest shots you've faced? And he was talking about preseason, and Art brought up Dominique Kubelik. He's like, yeah, Dominique Kubelik has a hell of a shot. Oh, you can tell. That thing is flying, and it's so fast. It's, yeah, fa- it's accurate. Well, meaning, what I mean by fast, I mean, we, we know it's a hard shot. That's what we were talking about. He gets that puck off his release like, like that. It's so quick. His it, release. There's been multiple situations. I mean, he is. He's one of those guys where you hear them talk about getting a shot off in tight with very little room and making stuff happen in tight or that the usual saying that is him to a T. You know who could learn a lot from Dominic Kubelik? Philip Zadina. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're countrymen, too, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think so. Yeah. Right, I, I was just going to say he has like the the build and like the shot of a guy that could score 30 goals. Easy. He has. Yeah. yeah. And I'm, I'm saying again, I know he has in Chicago, but 
he's a good player. And you can just tell he's a guy that can score goals for sure. He'll get power play time for sure. He's like right oh, yeah. now, what I'm going to consider him is without the track record. I mean, the ones his rookie season got Calder votes got 30 goals. I mean, right now for me, he can be a Verona light. And that's dangerous because that's a guy who can come in. He's going to get power play time probably on the second unit. And if he just keeps netting goals, I mean, four games, three goals. And granted, it's preseason. But what goalies have we seen in preseason? Some of the top ones, some of the starters. Across We've the league. seen both of the Pens goalies. We've seen their starter and their backup in Jari and DeSmith. Mm-hmm. We, I mean. Smith was lights out last night, by the way. He's the only reason the Pens won that game. Arvid oh, yeah. Soderblom, holy shit, like played awesome for the Hawks. And that's Elmer's brother. He played awesome. But Kubalik is scoring goals. And that's what he's brought in to do. Yep. And if you put him on a third line, even if you put him on a third line, say, and right now for me, Michael Rasmussen's the center of the third line. And if yes. your third line is Boy. Kubalik, Rasmussen, and Zadina, I mean, that that could be a, another, again, a fire line. Isn't that a lot different than what we've seen in the in the, the last like four years, five years? Well, that's what oh, we talked about. The problem absolutely. now is we have too much depth. Uh, our problem before was not enough depth, and now the problem is how the hell am I going to make a roster because there are just so many guys that have been good in preseason, and it's going to be really hard for them to to pick. But another guy who's been really good in preseason again, Philip Zadina, who he yep. said could learn from Kubalik, but. In three games played, he's got three points, a goal and two assists. So he's playing a point per game, averaging 17 minutes and 35 seconds of ice time. His shooting percentage right now is only at a 12.5, which means he's shooting the puck and he should be shooting the puck. And it's again, it seems like, a, and we had talked about it, a renewed and refreshed Philip Zadina, who is just told to go out there, play your game, shoot the fucking puck whenever it's on your stick in in more than one spot you've got it on the wall shoot it in you've got it in tight shoot it in make a breakaway shoot it in and that's what's happening is he's getting shots on goal and he's being rewarded and he's had some really good setups too he's been a dog on the puck he's board battling he's getting the corners and the more important thing is he's winning those battles he's not giving up and what's i think important about that too and everything that you just mentioned for zadina is we saw that at training camp. We saw that leading up to the red and white game in, in the individual battles or drills, I should say. And I know that many were maybe overly excited that, Hey, this is the new Phillips Dino we were hoping for, but I was mildly optimistic and waiting to see if that would actually continue. And it has, and then some, and this is the Zadina I think that we started to see glimpses of last, last season. And Greg, to your point, and I know we've talked on it before, that maybe Lalone coming in and having this new system, it is going to be the spark that he needs. We've seen him on power, taking power play time, which is to no surprise. And that second unit right now could be very dangerous. First one kind of struggled last night, but I think the way that they can roll two power play units, you're not going to be hurt, unlike what we've talked about before, where I've kind of favored where you put your best players on your first power play and run them for two minutes. I don't think that they're going to be in that situation where they have to worry about that. And it's because of how we're seeing what we've seen so far, I should say to from Zadina and Kublik, those guys. And I, who was it? 
someone jokingly asked if there's going to be a check line out there or a check, the, the check five or Chechia five or something like that. We could have because, a checking line. Or no, but it, I think they've got five checks out on the team now, don't they? Two, two or more. And, so they could have a full five out there that somebody, I think it was, might have been Max that joked about that. But you've got Kubalik, Kubalik, Verana, Zadina, Hironik. And then there might be one, but that's, I think, off the top of my head, there's four. I swear there's a fifth. Oh, that's it. There's only four. There's your four. Anyways, well, the way that we're seeing Zadina and Kubelik click at this stage, not only just playing if they are playing together, but just in general, Zadina's playmaking with and without the puck is what's elevating his game. We already saw it, the, the elevation from defense last year and what he can do there, but that's now, I think, going to be a driving force because we're seeing those changes with Lalone on the emphasis on defense and how we had talked about that coming in. And we're starting to see that come to fruition a little bit with what we're on the back end. Granted, again, new players, better players is helping that. And also, but they're moving the puck well, getting up to their forwards and guys like Zadina and Kubilik are now getting themselves more room to make things happen. And that's where we're, what we're seeing to this point. Granted, it hasn't been full NHL rosters across the board, but you take what you get at this point in the league and they're doing that. And that's one of the big things that Lalone had stressed too is he was asked about people like Zadina. He was asked about people like even like Verana. And they're like, well, what do you like about Verana? But he doesn't only go into what he likes. He goes into what they need to work on. And one thing that he said about almost every player is we know what they can do with the puck. They need to work on what they can do without the puck. And that's, again, what you to your credit, what you said about Zadina. He's working on his presence away from the puck, his defense away from the puck, his gap control, his spacing. That's what he's working on. And when he doesn't have the puck, Philip Zadina is one of the guys that's constantly trying to get the puck. And this is some of the stuff we noticed even the other day when when we were talking in the discord when the game was on and they're saying, look at that penalty kill. Our penalty kill We turned it into basically a power play. And and again, thank you, Allison Lucan, for the power kill. Power kill, baby. That is what the Red Wings are working on. You have to be aggressive. When you don't have the puck, you need to be aggressive. And that is the one thing that they're showing they can do. And it brings me to basically my standout so far of the entire preseason, which is Lucas Datsuk. I mean, Lucas Raymond, uh, who has just... Uh, where is where did this come from? I mean, we knew Lucas Raymond was good. He put on weight. He's, he's gotten faster. He faster. is obviously stronger. Like he is in the corner every literally every time the puck goes to the corner. Lucas Raymond is there. He's stripping guys of pucks to set. I mean, set up a beautiful. What was it? A Verona goal, a beautiful Verona goal, set up a beautiful Dylan Larkin goal and. And then he scored himself. He had himself a three-point night. Lucas Raymond right now, three points in three games, averaging 18-34 of ice time, eight shots on goal. And, I mean, that's he is everywhere. And that's been pretty much without Bertuzzi on what on the other wing along with Larkin. And it's it's been crazy. And this is like, you thought Lucas Raymond was good last season. This is a different Lucas Raymond. Yeah, this 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 Lucas Raymond iteration just makes me really, really excited to see myself on the ice. Lucas um, 2.0, the Tyler version. 
Tyler's uh, no, long lost win. But seriously, I mean, he's he's been fantastic in the preseason. And isn't the preseason of hockey better than the preseason of any other sport? Oh, totally. I mean, they they there's complaints, I think, about it being too long. And, and they have thought about, I think, shrinking it up. Even the loan made the comment, but it is. There, there's an intensity level. I mean, it's guys are trying to get on these teams. It's different than football. Preseason baseball sucks. Oh, spring training? No, it's terrible. Until like the last week, spring training sucks. I agree. If, yeah, because you finally start seeing real pitchers coming in. Yeah. But like, I don't know. I mean, this iteration of Lucas Raymond is exciting to see because I don't think we've had a winger like this in a long time. I know no. like Dylan Larkin was obviously started as a winger, but we all knew that, you know, at one point or another, he was going to become a, a full-time center. And, uh, you know, that is probably the last forward that we've been that excited for. And Lucas Raymond, man, I mean, the, the sky is the limit. We talked about this last year. A lot of people said, um, you know, there's, there's some Datsuk in them. There really is some Datsuk in them. There really is. Uh, um, offensively, maybe not so much defensively, but I think that's going to come too at some point. He is responsible enough defensively as a winger. He almost had a Datsuk play. Did you guys see this the other night? The, was it the puck strip and then the straight pass? No, it was 100% Pavel Datsuk. You could line Again, up. It was the Datsuk play against Nashville, right? Where he came up behind the defender, lifted the stick and stole and stole it, and then had the, an amazing deke for a goal. Raymond almost pulled that off to a tee, but he almost dished it off for a beautiful assist. Yeah, it's you could have lined it up directly next to that, and it would have been almost shot for shot identical. First thing I thought, I wasn't tweeting it at the mo- at the time, or I would have had it out there because it was beautiful. Anytime you can see a guy or some Pavel Datsuk or like Henrik Setterberg or Steve Eisenman or some former Red Wing legend uh, in a, a young player, I mean that's 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 what you want, especially in a rebuild like this. You know, you had last year saying Mo Sider was. Um, ahead of of where Nick or you had Nick Lidstrom say Mo Sider was ahead at his age where where Lidstrom was at his age. So like I mean, there's a lot of old Red Wings in this team already, and I can't wait to see where this all goes. Yeah, no, I was just I had a point. I had it. I lost it. So go ahead. <laughs> so I mean, even if Get we're fucked. going back to if we're going back to comparables. I mean, I've seen a little bit of Pavel Datsuk playmaking in someone like Jonathan Berggren. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to lean and stay Swede there. I'm going to co- I'm going to keep the comparison with Bergy to Zetterberg because that's the, type, the style of play I'm seeing from Berggren reminds me of a simpler version of Zetterberg. I don't love the 52. So are we going to call him Jonathan Zetterberggren? Is that what we're going to call like him? I like it. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get, let's get some craziness with that one right can we, there. Can we just talk about one thing? No. Berger Maybe. wearing the number 52 just scars yeah. me. I mean, it he had that before me. he came here. I get it. it. It was it was a number he had over in Sweden, right? I don't care. The 48 looked good. Yeah, I don't yeah. need a 52, but I don't ever want to see a 52 again. Well, maybe this will rid us of the the Erickson curse. Yeah. Yeah. Curse. There we go. That's a good word. <laughs> Maybe I'll do a back to back Bergeron on one side, Zetterberg on the other, and it'll just say Zetterbergeron across the top. But Jonathan Bergeron or Jonathan Bergeron in. Jonathan, yeah. Jonathan is what can see. Here's where I love that these games are back broadcasted so I can get proper pronunciations. Thanks. Uh, 
Lars. Jonathan Bergren, in four games played, has two assists, averaging 12 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. But he has looked great. And if there is a guy that is going to force his way onto this team that is not named Elmer Soderblom because he has also looked very good, and we'll talk about him next, Bergren is a guy that I think, and I'd hate... I fight with this where to put him kind of thing. And I for a lot of players, I say, well, fourth line is really a waste of of his talent. And for Bergeron, I almost think that's that's the thing. If you're just going to throw him on the fourth, put him on the first line in Grand Rapids and let him go until there's an injury on the third line or whatever, because he is so talented and his playmaking is so good that unless you have a really good scorer, unless you bump Dominique Kubelik down to the fourth line and you just run a monster fourth line with like Bergeron, Valeno, Kubelik, which could probably score like Weren't nuts. they together the other night? Uh, maybe. If I remember right, Kubelik and Bergeron were definitely together. That would not be a bad line because there is speed. You've got all those guys can play a two-way game. Not necessarily Kubelik, but he's got that size and he's been showing it. Bergeron and Valino are very defensively sound. We know that Valino is because that's just one of his main mainstays. Yeah. That would not be bad, but you're giving up a lot of size by doing so. But the only thing about like you talking about them going on the fourth line, like the stigma of the fourth line of the past, like putting a guy like Thomas Yurko to go back to, you know, a weirder time. Uh, put a guy like YouTube, him YouTube on the fourth Yurko? YouTube Yurko? No, Gus <laughs> Nyquist. Yurko, right. Going back but to that. Like, you know, a guy like him on the fourth line back in those days where, you know, you had a bunch of plumbers on the fourth line like that, that like can stunt a player's growth. But if you're going to tell me Jonathan Bergeron can come or Jonathan Bergeron, Jonathan Bergeron. And, um, you know, Tyler, we know you're not going to get it right. So just say how you <laughs> want to say it. If he can, you know, come up and start on the fourth line for a couple games, get his feet wet. If that's like a starting point for him, and then he gets bumped up to the third line where somebody else gets bumped down, then I could see it. The other thing is, like I said, I was kind of talking about the stigma of the fourth line. It's changed significantly. So if you could have a guy like Valeno, a guy like Bergeron, and a guy like um, Kubalik on the fourth line, I mean, that's cooking with gas right there. That That's like, you, you have depth top to bottom there. And that's, you know, assuming everybody stays healthy, but like, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think that putting Berger in on this team, and I'm sure we'll go into that when we talk about the actual predictions of the lineup um, for opening night, which Ryan does not want to talk about. <laughs> I don't because there's so many different ways it could go. I mean, uh, yeah, I'll wait. I think with Bergeron, the thing you're looking at is in shout out to Lars, Lars had said that our fourth line now, and and it's true, our fourth line with the way this team is looking is going to be a fourth line in name only because you're going to be able to probably get the guys on the fourth line nine minutes, 10, 13 minutes a game, 12 minutes I would a say, game. I, I would say that fourth, if you have a fourth line like that with what we're discussing, you're looking at 11, 12 minutes easy. And if you throw Bergeron on power play two, because you should, then he's probably getting 13, 14 minutes per game at that point. So I mean, has he been out there on PK stuff? 
I haven't paid much attention to the penalty kill. I've been paying. I've been trying to watch play. that one because that's where I'm stuck with bringing him in because the other night against their last night, he was not on a power play unit. And I think that's going to be one of his key things to making this roster is cracking a power play or special teams unit. And if he, cause he's, if he's not out there, like if he's in say for Ernie, then you're losing a guy on the PK potentially is Berger going to fit that role. I think he could, but is it likely? I don't know. Now, like I said, in the four games he has played, he is averaging 12 minutes and 50 seconds of ice time. And that brings him down. I mean, that's kind of toward the bottom there. I mean, Kirill Tutayev, who played one preseason game so far, averaged more time than him. So that kind of works against him a little bit. Uh, the last, there's a couple more I want to touch before we move on to uh, roster predictions. We're running out of time a little bit. But Elmer Soderblom, he has been, I mean, management has said they've wanted Terrific. to see him in every situation. They wanted to see him on the top line. They've wanted to see him in top six. He has taken every every situation. He's been on they had, the PK. They'd give, take, he's taken every situation they've given him by the balls and just made it literally his own. And he's acting like a child throwing around stuffed animals. And people are trying to hit him and they're falling down. And it's he's another one. It's like the world's largest man with the world's softest hands. And he's a yoink machine. It's insane. If there's a puck within like 20 feet, he just sticks his arm out there and his 20 foot stick. Just be like, yoink, I got it. You're not going to get there. Yoink. And the thing is, is like, that's just what he does. And you yeah. people were kind of worried about how is his game going to translate to North American ice? Is he going to be able to keep up because the NHL is a much harder hitting league than the SHL? And every opportunity that's been thrown at him, he has taken it and he has excelled. So I think if there's a guy that's going to a surprise guy that's going to make this opening night lineup and Oscar Sundquist might not be back for the, the beginning of the season. Yeah. He's he is skating, though, isn't he? Uh, I think he's skating. I don't remember if he's in a non-contact. Yeah, but or you not. can be patient with him if you think a guy like Soderblom should make the team. Sure. So I think if there's any guy who off the bat is going to get like his nine game trial, it's going to be Elmer because he has shown with every opportunity that he's been given that it's just he's been able to kill it. Like literally not not literally because I'm just waiting for the moment where he just takes a dude's head off. But he's he's literally destroying every opportunity that's being given to him. And I it's very exciting because he's I mean, just this monster force out there. And let's see if I can find him on the list. But it's just it's been I don't want to say surprising because I don't think it's surprising. Refreshing. Is that a better word to use there? No, I'd say exciting. It's exciting because it's a guy who has picked where he was doing the things he's doing in quote unquote NHL action. That is to me really, really exciting. So Sonny was not Sunquist was not skating today, but Soderbloom was back on the ice and he was skating with Raz and Ernie. The wings were rolling five lines today because they still have so many guys there for just because they haven't made the roster cuts yet. But it's interesting because it was him, Braz, Ernie, and then another line was Smith, Suter, Berggren. It's making things really freaking interesting. But sorry, Tyler, go ahead. 
Yeah, no, I was just going to say, I mean, Bergeron, you know, for for what everyone said about him being slow-ish, you know, because of his size, I think he's pretty, not fast, but he's quick enough for his size, I feel like. And if he's big enough and uses that size to his advantage, I don't think it's going to matter how quick he has to be. I mean, I guess if he's on the first line and going against the top D pairs and stuff like that, then obviously he's going to have some issues. But like, if he's on the fourth line or the third line, and he's grinding down down low, and I mean he's going to be a force to be wrecking with. Uh, and I mean, I'm I'm not saying that because I, I I like to hype up every single prospect, but I mean I'm really 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 excited for him, and I I really do think that he's making a case for making the team. I think he's you, to your guys's point, you can make a case for both of them, but Soderblom is definitely one of those guys that you can tell even though he's played in Sweden the last couple of years, he's taken to the North American ice pretty good. I feel like, and he takes up a lot of room. So like, you know, as long as his stride is good, which I mean, I haven't seen any issues with so far. I don't see why that there isn't a reason that this guy can't at least be on the fourth line to start opening night. He covers so much ground. And and honestly, it goes back, like you said, wouldn't be bad if he was on the fourth line and, Again, to the co- the comment that Lar- we go back to Lars, like there won't be a true fourth line in this team, and that's not a bad thing because there is going to be balance and depth, especially after you get past that top, top three. Really, I mean, you could argue their top six is interchangeable. And if these guys are clicking, you've got a solid third scoring line with Save, Zadina, Valeno, Kubalik that was skating together today. It don't matter what your fourth line is going to be because there's going to be skill there. And that is what I think is going to be important for this team. And it's not going to be just skill offensively. They're going to be balanced defensively. And I think we've already seen that coming to a head with some of the changes that Lalone is making. And it's not only, again, because of just defense, but it's because of what the forwards are helping the defense do to make it more effective. Yep. So the last person I kind of want to get to is uh, Sebastian Kosa who has played two games, 24 minutes and 40 seconds of ice time with the goals against of 1.22 and a save percentage of 0.95. This is a completely different Sebastian Cosa than what we saw. I mean, we talked about him in the prospect tournament. He was really good than what we saw in the previous prospect tournament. He worked like we had talked about in Detroit with the goalie staff for the summer. He had spent some time with Alex Nedeljkovic on ice and I mean, he's his reaction time is quick. His post to post is quick. His puck tracking has been excellent. Uh, The last game he was in, I believe I gave him my second star because he faced seven. I think he only faced seven or eight shots, but they were all really, really high pressure shots when the game was kind of on the line. So Kosa, like I said, I mean, he's pushing, I think, his way into a discussion for an AHL job. I was going to say, do you think he's forced his way enough into Grand Rapids? Because, I mean, they've really kept it balanced amongst the goalies that are still in Detroit. I think he'll probably play one of the two Toronto games and depending on his performance there, because you have to think Toronto by the last two preseason games are going to start some of their starters. You'll see Austin Matthews. You'll see Mitch Marner. You'll see... Uh, William Nylander. Mar- I know um, Matthews was out there last night, if I remember right. 
Yeah, but you'll start seeing, I mean, you might see one of those two, one of those two Toronto games, you should definitely see what, like what Pittsburgh has been playing, which is basically their entire right. lineup. At that point, I mean, there's a week until the season. Um, I would say you, you'll see both. So if Kosa gets one of those games, if he gets half of one of those games, that's your real, real test because that is the best team in your division, basically, at that point. And and if he blows that out, then you've really got to think, hey, maybe this kid can 1A, 1B in Grand Rapids because UC Okanora has been good. Victor Bratstrom has been good. I mean, Okanora has gotten two games and uh, has a 1.33. Okanora has been better than Bratstrom. So I, I Sebastian Costa so far has faced... Not by much, but it's been... I mean, I think I think Bradstrom, Bradstrom's had one of the better showings so far in the preseason. Bradstrom has, has faced more shots. So Bradstrom's faced 37, UC Okanora's faced 17, Kosa's faced 20 shots. And again, it, like I said, it's a different Kosa. He seems more calm, more composed, not panicky, and he's tracking the puck really, really well, and he made some really tough saves against Pittsburgh. Yeah, he's going, I think, his, I think the biggest thing for Kosa, he's gone really well side to side. And he's done so by not overcommitting, meaning not going side to side and getting himself out of position, which I think was a bit of a knock on him before, is that he was overly aggressive. And he's been very good to your point there, Greg, of being composed, I think, is a, a simple way of putting it and not getting caught in the moment of a, a situation that's happening to then set himself up for a quick backdoor pass for a goal or leaving the, the net open or leaving something exposed on himself in terms of positioning to allow for maybe an easy five hole. I, I know we've talked about a little bit that his glove hand has looked better in comparison to what we've seen before. It's like there's su- subtle things that he's seemingly worked on, as you mentioned, this summer being in Detroit that has paid off for him in this preseason that hopefully for all of us, and I think we can agree on that, we hopefully that leads to him being on the west side of the state in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I agree. I I, I like his game a lot. I know I, I remember like you know seeing him highlights and stuff like that. Uh, I, I agree with what you're saying. You know, slow side to side, but you know he's it seems like he's worked on that. Seems like he's also not being as aggressive, like you said. But he he's as big as he is. He doesn't have to be that aggressive because he takes up a lot of the net anyway. He covers so, the whole net when he goes to a butterfly. He can play a Lundqvist style where he plays deep in the net and is still you know making saves because he's taking up most of the net anyways, even if he's playing deep. Now, again, I'm not a goalie coach, so I don't know exactly what the goalie coach of the wings is telling him. But, I mean, he's... He's looked a lot different than what we've seen of him in the World Juniors and certainly what we saw of him, um, you know, previously. So I'm really looking forward to him. I, I think that there's a lot of, um, of potential, of course, in Sebastian Cosa. And I think there's a really good chance oh, yeah. he ends up on the west side of the state in Grand Rapids when it's all said and done this season. Yeah, I could agree. And like I said, I don't really like the ECHL as a development path, but... I think he's working his way into a Grand Rapids role. And if you 1A1B him with Bratstrom and they carry a third goalie in Okanora who plays once a week, once every other week, I think that that works fine. 
And then again, if you've got injury, then then he fills in. So I don't think you're really hurting yourself by carrying extra goalies there. To that point, though, of a 1A, 1B with Brastrom, I mean, is who is your call-up from Grand Rapids for goaltender, then? If there's an injury from Huso or Net, is it Okonora? It's who's playing better. Is it, though? Because, I mean, we've seen it the last couple of years with Detroit where – they don't necessarily take the guy who's playing better. They take the guy that maybe isn't most likely to get picked up when you send him back down. Sure. Okay. But here's the thing. Um, Sebastian Coase is waiver exempt. True. But. Mm. I actually think Bratstrom is waiver exempt too. That one I'm not sure on. I know Kosa, yes. I mean, I mean, hold on. Actually, all three are waiver exempt. That is a shock. Per cap friendly. So disregard anything i just said right there because <laughs> it won't matter it's they're whoever's all playing apparently better. waiver exempt according to Capriley, which throws me off a lot why like, is okay. uc Olkanora waiver exempt is it because he's had no nhl time up until this point i mean must he's 31 be, years old it must be that this is uc Olkanora's first nhl contract uh, he's at a one year at 750000 He is waiver exempt. Sebastian Kosa is waiver exempt. And Victor Bratstrom is waiver exempt. So I, well, I can tell you. Let's, let's play the escalator game. So here's the thing. Sebastian Kosa is the interesting case. Because Sebastian Kosa, uh, he has he's an entry-level slide candidate. So you could play him nine games before the first year of his deal would kick in. So that's one thing you have to take into account is if you've got a goalie who you think is going to be injured, injured then you probably are not bringing up Kosa. Uh, But he is also exempt from the 50 standard player contract limit, which I think is a weird thing. I don't know why. Uh, Only him and Marco Casper are exempt from the 50 standard player contract limit. So fun fact, Olkinora signed with the Jets in 2014, or he he signed in 2013, and he's made money on two seasons with them. So I think because of that, he still had it because when this contract's done, he'll be a UFA with Detroit. Yep. But I don't understand how he's waiver eligible. He's waiver I are waiver exempt? I don't know either. It makes no sense to me. It makes their job easier. Sure. Makes oh, it absolutely. a hell of a lot easier because then at like, that time. But again, are you taking Grand Rapids best goaltender away from Grand Rapids? Because they're supposed to be a stacked team. I mean, looking on paper. They're going to be a very, very good team because another guy we didn't talk about, Emil Vero or Emil Vero, Emil. I think they've been calling him Emil. Emil Vero has been doing emu? not Emu. He's not Australian, um, but he's been doing very well. Also, like he's been really good out there. So you've got Vero in Grand Rapids. You've got Johansson in Grand Rapids. Jared McIsaac will be back there. You've got all these guys like a uh, Cross Hannis, who's been really good in preseason, is going to be back there. Pontus Andreasen, who will probably start in Grand Rapids, has been decent in preseason. Will be back there, so they should have a really good team. Oh, so understatement. Maybe, maybe you don't take their best goaltender. Maybe you let them have their best goaltender, and you take their second best goaltender, and then Olkanora gets more time because if that's Bratstrom, it's Bratstrom. If it's Kosa, it's Kosa. So. Kosa is the guy, though, that has the attitude of I'm going to play. You are not going to stop me. I don't give a shit that I'm 19 years old. Spencer Knight was 19 years old and you're going to play me. So he got that cocky swagger going on. 
And before, like before preseason or before the prospect tournament, you looked at it and you're like, wow, you're cocky, but you've got a lot to work on. But now you look on it after prospect tournament during preseason and you're like, this kid's damn good. So he might be able to back up his mouth going forward. We'll see. And maybe he gets that opportunity this season. Maybe he gets that opportunity next season because of injury. But I think he's working his way towards a Grand Rapids spot, which is really, really good. Now, does he, if he gets the Grand Rapids, or say say he has a fantastic game against the Leafs, let's just say, if he gets the Grand Rapids, is he the starter? Is it a 1A, 1B, 1C situation? What, I think what it's a 1A, 1B with a backup, yeah. And they have th- they they can have three there, right? Because there's no roster. They can have as many as they want. Yeah, I think I think Detroit can even have three. Well, yeah, but then that eliminates a a, ro- a regular. It it does. Yeah, forward or or skating position. Yeah, but I think Grand Rapids can carry three, no problem. I think I think Grand Rapids could carry three. I think the walleye is where you can have any number, and the walleye signed a million goalies. I think they only signed two. You can have. Uh, as many as you want from either, but I mean, for the Grand Rapids situation, if they had three, it's not going to be an issue. Like you could travel with two, keep one home. Like they could do it in that situation, have all three available for home and, and what have you. So, and as stuff always happens, I mean, there's always injuries. So, you know, Bradstrom could be up or, or Okanora could be up. Who You don't really know. Um, it's going to be a hell of a competition if all three guys are in Grand Rapids because Okanora, he, he played his way in with great international play and good foreign play leading up to this point. Won a gold medal. Yep, we saw what Bradstrom could do last year in Grand Rapids. We're now seeing some glimpses of what potentially Kosa could do against high-level competition. So, Well, the other thing is, too, you know he's he's going to get the chance, Kosa. With, with being a first-round pick, he's going to get the chance. And, you know, he's so far to this point, he's he's done above and beyond what they expected. And, you know, if he goes out there and has a good game against the Leafs or whoever he plays against, uh, I mean, he's going to have to be in Grand Rapids because he's too good for juniors at this point, I think. Yeah, I would agree. And Ryan, I am going to save you tonight because we are out of time. Oh, we're skipping projections. Thank we you. We will pick up it. roster projections next week. Once the preseason, I think by next week's episode, the preseason will probably be over and we'll be waiting for a home opener. Uh, what's the schedule? I mean, I think Monday, Tuesday. Maybe. Tyler, when's the second game against the Leafs? Uh, Sunday, Saturday night. Sorry. The second game is Saturday night. Yeah. Yep. Because they're back to back. So we'll be done with preseason. Yeah. Preseason's over. Yep, so next episode. Next week, we will start the episode with roster projections. And yeah, so Ryan, tonight we're going to start with you on final thoughts. I mean, hell, we might not even have to worry about roster projections because I think according to Brandon, our buddy B-Case over there, Grand Rapids preseason, I think, starts October 5th, which technically as of this is when we're recording tomorrow. Yeah, we should expect some cuts tomorrow. There could be things happening after this is posted. So it's going to make a lot of the shit that we say probably void, which is always fantastic. But I mean, final thoughts for me, it's been a very, I want to say a very good preseason up to this point. The guys, mainly the young guys and new players for that matter, have performed, I think, 
up to and better than the expectation that I had personally. And that rings very well going into the season for that momentum that they could carry over. It's a bummer to this point that we haven't seen cop. Maybe we will start seeing him now that he's starting to take second line rushes. That's fantastic to me. If he comes back sooner or they just, I mean, even if they keep him out for precautionary reasons, I get it, but it worries me a little bit, kind of like for last year, not showing up until game one of the season to see how he is kind of coming into things. But the roster right now, being in the situation that we're in, it's a fun situation in comparison to the last several years. Even looking back to last year, we thought it was going to be a balanced, crazy roster. This dwarfs that. So it's, I think, the most excited I've been going into a wing season. And I think we probably said that ad nauseum to this point, but it, it really is starting to hit home with some of the play that we've seen to this point. And it's it's just fantastic. And by this time next week, Tyler's going to be one sleep away, two sleeps away from making his way to my upstairs empty bedroom for sleeping out for three days. I feel like you're going to be here for what, four or five days that I'm hard, but I'll hardly see you that entire time. Ryan, we're going to go get a beer. Tyler's going to watch your kids. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. Uh, Unc- note, our, Uncle my, Tyler. My, yep. Uncle Tyler. Hey, it's easy. The kid goes to bed early. You're fine. No, we have a, we have a, we have a, a pretty extensive trip plan. We got the wings game on Friday, the Michigan football game on Saturday against Penn state. Hey, use that for your final thoughts. I'm not done. Tyler, Tyler, it's, uh, it's already Ryan 33. There we go. Thanks. All right. Now Tyler, go ahead. Yeah, we have, we have a full slate of of, of plans when we go to Michigan, we have people that we're going to see. We have uh, the wings. Thursday night, no plans because I'm I'm setting stuff up for us to go get dinner with Mario and a couple others. Okay. Uh, over no, no plans Mavericks. Thursday night. Yeah. So, but um, Friday that we got obviously the opener, so we'll see everybody. And then Saturday I got the Michigan game and then Sunday I'm going to the Michigan BU hockey game. So I'll get to see some wings prospects uh, on the BU team. Mastro Simone, I believe um, is still there. So he's not, what happened to him? No, uh, Mastro Simone went to Arizona state. Oh, that's oh, right. We did talk about right. that. Uh, so my final thoughts are I can't wait to get to Michigan. I can't wait to see all you guys. And uh, I really, you know, it's something I look forward to every single year. So um, when, when I was told, I didn't think I was going to be able to do it. That really hurt inside. So um, I'm, I'm really glad I'm going to be able to come. Um, looking forward to the season. Obviously, this team is, uh, you know, something we've all looked forward to all summer long. Um, this kind of makes me feel like a little kid again, uh, where I'm kind of counting down the, the days until the Red Wings season, where before, you know, I mean, you're looking forward to opening night, but, you know, once opening night's over, there's not a whole lot to look forward to, um, you know, in the last couple of years. Last year was a little bit different, but before that, you know, it was kind of just like bleak the rest of the season. But, um, you know, this this season should be fun. Uh, there should be a lot of content for us to talk about, and uh, that's what we're looking forward to. So enjoy these last couple preseason games and uh, go from there. Hey, how about uh, when you and your dad come on out, you bring me and Greg a hat. I'll see. Uh, I'll see what I can do about that. <laughs> okay. I'll Thanks. certainly Thanks. see what I can do. I'll see what the seals has up his sleeves. Cause, cause recently he's, since he got out of the hospital and since he's, he's gotten better, he's gotten everything, uh, you know, that he's wanted to get done, done. So th- that is a possibility. I will ask slide that in the to-do list. I, I'll, I'll, I'll slide that under the door there, <laughs> but, uh, no, those are my final thoughts. And you can follow me on Twitter at seal dog 91. 
My final thoughts are congrats to the person that won our Elmer Soderblom signed puck. Uh, it will be out of my, uh, actually out of Brandon's home soon. Brandon gets all the cool stuff for us to give away. So big shout out to Brandon. Thank you very much. Uh, we will be doing a jersey giveaway as soon as we have a set roster. So stay tuned for that. We did hit 7,000 followers on Twitter. Thank you to everyone that follows us on Twitter. Thank you to everyone that listens to us and interacts with us. It's a huge, huge plus. We would not be doing what we are doing without you um, because we would then just be three guys talking to each other on a camera and no one likes that. So uh, thank you for following us and interacting yeah. with us and uh, keeping with us through what has been the pain of the Red Wings and now is becoming um, kind of the next greatness of the Red Wings. But God, you know, I hope so. Oh, it's going to happen. Steve Eisenman's a goddamn genius. But you can follow me online at Grindline Pod. You can follow or you can follow me online at Bringing the Wing. You can follow the Grindline Podcast online at Grindline Pod. We are also on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle. Please go sub to us on YouTube. Go search Grindline Podcast on YouTube. We're right there. Actually, now, I think if you search Detroit Red Wings on YouTube, we pop up pretty high. So there's that. We, I also want to give a shout out to Lego Rocks 99 who featured our tweet on one of his last videos. I want to get him on to to talk Red Wings. He's a big Vancouver fan, but he's also a Red Wings fan. Uh, shout out to the Hockey Podcast Network at Hockey Podnet who, for hosting us and spreading us around. Shout out to Vintage Detroit, which is the only place you should get your Detroit wor- jerseys from and worked on. If you use the promo code Grindline at Howie's Hockey Tape, you get 10% off your order. And if you use that same promo code at Bring Hockey Back, you will get 12% off your order and you can also check out our merch at redbubble.com by searching the grind line i think i might set up a teespring which is maybe a little easier and i can actually host it on our website and is a lot less mess to go through i can give you a direct url um, but yeah you can also check out our website grindlinepodcast.com but that is going to do it for us tonight so for ryan and tyler i am greg you stay classy hockey town